Coming at you from the frozen tundra that is East Central Alberta, Canada, streaming live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Telegram, Rumble, and Odyssey, welcome back to the workshop where we create community, find freedom, promote preparedness, and share success. I am Toolman Tim, and today is January the 12th, 2023, and this is episode 234 of the Workshop Podcast. How the hell are you, folks? I just finished a conversation with Tag from Life Done Free. And if you're not motivated by it, I'm going to guess you do not have a heartbeat or you're some form of artificial intelligence because, wow, was it ever a conversation. Before we dive, dive into that, let's get the announcements out of the way. Number one, Telegram group. Every time I have an episode, I really think I need to talk about this group because I love the folks over there. There is no better place to hang out if you're looking to get motivated and you want to interact with people in the workshop community. And I tell you this, but I believe it. If you're like, Tim, I don't need another social media platform. I get it, guys. I get it. But give it a shot. Download Telegram. Come by and join. It's a freedom-minded group where we love to kick each other in the ass and motivate one another. And plus, we tell a joke or two. But come by. Give us a shot. Hey, money-back guarantee. If you don't like it, no, I'm just kidding. It's free. Come over, join. And if you like it, stick around. And if you don't, that's okay, too. Number two, Patch of the Month Club. And remember, my buddy Mitch, you're making me money, but I appreciate it. But no, seriously, if you guys get value from this and you're like, hey, you know what? I kind of like cool patches. Subscribe to Patch of the Month. Go to patchofthemonth.co. And the cool thing is... When somebody craps all over your dreams, turn them into a coupon code. So if you grab the link at the top at patchofthemonth.co, where it says Mitch is the promo code, you'll get two free patches. You'll get been prepping since Y2K, and you'll get the Die Cut Toolman Tim's workshop patch. So anyway, if you're looking to a way to support me and get some added benefits, get added to a super secret email list that only Patch of the Month Club members are on, well, go by and join. And finally, guys, today's tool is the Streamlight Stylus Pro USB rechargeable flashlight, which is the one that I'm wearing, well, was wearing around my neck until I took it off before the live stream. It is my go-to everyday carry now, I believe. I love the thing. 350 lumens made out of, uh, what do they call it? Aircraft aluminum, whatever that means. But it's durable. It's tough. And the cool thing is you never need batteries. You just plug it in, recharge it in two and a half hours, and you're good. So links in the description below. Anything you pick up, guys, through the Amazon links is an affiliate link, and it supports the content that I create, so thank you very much. So with that, guys, i got to tell you, real quick, power of community. There was probably a half dozen people who said to me, Tim, you need to get Tag from Life Done Free on your podcast. And I said, well, guys, I don't know who Tag is. What do you, you guys keep talking about this incredible guy named Tag. Well, guess what? He didn't disappoint. Let's jump in, guys. You are going to love this conversation. I love this conversation. I was motivated afterwards. So with that, let's hop right in, and you guys get to hear the gospel of TAG. Hey, guys. Toolman Tim here. Welcome back to the workshop where we create community, find freedom, promote preparedness, and share success. we got a good one tonight, guys. I've got TAG with Life Done Free with me. Before we do, I just need to shout out to my buddy Chicken Hawk. Even before we were live, he sent us a super chat for 10 bucks. So he said, let's start the stream with a hell yeah. So with that, let's go over to my buddy wearing the free man hat. How are you, Tag? He said, let's start the stream with a hell yeah. Oh, we got a little feedback going on there. That's okay. We're good. Can you hear me okay, Tag? Yeah. Okay. There we are. Do we have another one playing? Is that on your end, maybe? I don't think I don't have anything else open on my end, bud. Yeah. Okay. 
give me a second here. You go ahead. I'll mute my mic and you give your introduce to yourself here. I don't have anything else open on my end. You got me? I can hear you. Go ahead. Yep. I think we're good now. Whatever happened, we're good. So the gremlins hopped in. So. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, uh, so uh, I'm Tag from uh, the YouTube channel Life Done Free. I'm also the, I'm one of the founders of the social media platform, freesteading.com. And uh, I'm an off-grid, you know, completely off-grid homesteader. Um, I didn't, wasn't always here, right? Just the life kind of that I, you know, that I chose to be now. And I don't know if you want me to tell you about my background or. Yeah. So here's the thing we do in the workshop. Okay. We, I always, I always love to hear your background, but touch on your very first job. That's kind of the, the thing that everybody get. We, we love to hear whatever somebody did kind of some shit job way back when to get started, you know? So. Yeah. So I was on my own early. Um, I worked the graveyard shift at a diamond shamrock gas station as I went to school during the day. It was my very first job. That's <laughs> How was that? Did you learn anything there at all? Or did you just learn you didn't want to work in a gas station? Yeah, I learned I didn't want to work in a gas station. No, it was all right. You know, um, it was income and and allowed me to live on my own through high school. So that was cool. Wow. You know, how so young were you without, you know, you don't have to go any more detail than you want to, but how young were you when you were on it's your own? Okay. Yeah. So my, my dad left when I was 12. My mom left when I was 15. Wow. So I've been on my own since 15. So you're a self-reliant individual. I'm just kind of, it's kind of in my blood, you know? Well, man, you know what? I don't know. The younger generation's really good at this, but they, they love to, you know, um, blame whatever they are now on their past. But uh, you can look at where you came from and where you're at, man. Uh, you yeah. know, that's awesome. So so where'd you go from there? Yeah. So um, after that, I, uh, I went to building houses, which gave me some, you know, uh, construction background, which was good because, I, you know, now here you go fast forward all these years later and I just built myself a super off-grid home. But uh so that was nice. Did that. Um, went on to join the army. Spent. Um, did my four years in the army. Um, I was in the fourth infantry division. Okay. Cool. Um, got out of that, and um, it was kind of funny. The the I thought I was going to go back to building houses, but you know, all my buddies always told me, "Hey, you really should try sales, Tad. You're this is just up your you know up your lane. You should do it." And I said, "Okay, fine. I'll apply at one car sales job. If they give me the job, I'll take it. If not, I'm going to go back to building houses." So I applied at this uh, uh, place called Tynan's, Tynan's Nissan in Denver, Colorado, which is where originally I'm from. Okay. And um, they hired me. What I didn't know was, Tim, they hired everybody that applied. I just didn't know this. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> it made you feel good. Yeah. So then I uh, I was the, their top salesman my first month there. And, you know, two years later, I was the general manager of a Chrysler dealership. And uh, then after that, I got an offer to go uh, raise capital for startup companies. And I took that job and kind of stayed in that finance, um, you know, kind of career all the way up to the, you know, the big COVID debacle that I went through. And so I went from just a field sales guy to, um, you know, the chief marketing officer of a, you know, $200 million company with 900 employees. Now that took 20 years, just so you know. Yeah. But because, I mean, I, I love, I did sales up until mm-hmm. I didn't. And I, I was like you, whatever I went, sales were my thing. Right. Yes. So, and do you find that, of course you do, but whenever you start and when you're good at it, they always want to bump you up to the next level. I yep. forget there's a rule for that, that you always rise to the level where eventually you shouldn't be. But yeah. you know, did you did you get tired of the corporate end of things or was it mainly just the COVID thing that you finally said, no, that's enough? Well, no, it, I, I was I was growing tired of it. You know, we built I built a lot of companies, but, you know, it it, it got to a point where I witnessed so much of the bullshit that goes on that I was kind of disheartened by it for years anyway. And I, I stayed doing it because 
at the end of the day, it provided an amazing life for my wife, for my kids and you know, gave us, I mean, I traveled all over him. I mean, I've been, you know, an amazing vacations. I've seen amazing things. And so I kind of just always hid behind that and, and just kind of put up with the, with the, you know, the corporate bullshit that goes on and until the COVID thing came and then that was enough for me. But, um, so what was that like working in VC like that? Did you, so do you, when you, do you have to go out to investment people and ask for money or were you the guy giving out the venture capital? Yeah, no, I was the opposite. So what I would do is a company would hire me to come in and raise their startup capital. Okay. And oh. then once, once I raised it, what we would do is we'd put in all the processes, we'd hire all the staff. And sometimes my take, you know, like, like, a, you know, there was a company I did in Oklahoma um, where I was there for one year, raised about $70 million for them, put all their processes in place. And then I was gone off to my next gig. Then there was another, the last one that I was, you know, part of, I was there 13 years. I, I came in just to raise money, but pretty soon I just ended up staying there and they kept offering me more and more. And, you know, I just stayed, but so typically a company, you know, uh, Toolman Tim says, Hey, I want to get big and I want to raise, you know, $30 million. I was the guy you would call to do that. And you had connections or new. Oh, yeah. 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 Big staff, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So you said you traveled. What, what was the best place you ever saw? And you can't say oh. Kansas because you live there now. Yeah, no, I think probably my favorite vacation ever was the um, probably the Alaskan cruise. I took my whole company on the Alaskan cruise back in 2018. And um, so there was about, I don't know, 60 of us at that time um, that went on the cruise. And we spent 14 days in Alaska cruising around. And it was just, just you know, majestic. Because, you know, the mountains start yeah. in the water and end in the clouds. <laughs> you know, majestic. So... And I know, I know kind of not the ending of your story, but I know a bit of the present of your story. So from, you know, say whenever the COVID stuff happened, is that when you started with this whole journey to uh, Kansas or did that start earlier than that? Yeah, that started way earlier than that. I was living in Kansas um, okay. when COVID came around, but um, you know, I was back in uh, 1993, I was in the military and I had witnessed kind of what thug warfare was. Okay. And um, so I kind of became a prepper then. Oh. But I was, I was hiding in the closet. Nobody knew it. Sure. And, you know, time went on and time went on and time went on and time went on. And um, I realized that, um, you know, if I could, it's at some point in time, you can only store so much food. You, you have to take all, <laughs> yeah. all prepping leads to homesteading. It just does. And, and, and right. then all, all homesteading leads to freesteading, in my opinion, which is why I call it freesteading. That's a whole nother story. But, um, so we actually, prior to the, the COVID debacle, we actually had already purchased a 40 acre lot, had already done, you know, some of the infrastructure in it. Um, and it's a good thing I did. <laughs> so slide back just a tad then. So 93, you said, you know, um, thug warfare, what, what inspired you to start becoming a prepper? Everybody has, and, and sometimes it's just a slow, gradual indoctrination, <laughs> you know, welcome to the club. But what, was there anything that really triggered it to get you going? Well, you know, I told you a little bit about my background, about being on my own young. Sure. And so I've had to be self-sufficient a long, long time. So it came naturally to me. But but yeah, in 1993, like I said, I had witnessed overseas what thug life was. And it just seemed to me, I mean, these poor people couldn't eat. And and when they did eat, they were being robbed from. And, you know, and it was just brutal. It was just gang warfare uh, in Africa. Okay. And uh, I just came home from that and just said, you know... <laughs> 
it would not hurt to be just a little farther ahead and, you know, put some food up and, and it started, it was so funny to me. It started with one can of Vienna sausage, which by the way, I still have to this day because I save it as a trophy. Oh, I'm proud of you. That's awesome. <laughs> just That's what it started at. But, and then, but then next thing you know, you know, it's buckets of food and, and a whole bedroom full pantry and, you know, the, the whole prepper world. That for me, it was a, uh, a jar of mustard pickles in a jar of strawberry jam. Those were the first two things. And I wish I'd have kept one of them, but that that's cool. <laughs> and it's funny when you first start, you think you got the world by the balls. Eventually you're like, Oh yeah, I got this little bit of stuff. And I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. You know? And so then, like you said, uh, prepping lead, leads to homesteading. Mm -hmm. So how did that, where, where did that jump in? Where did you go from, you know, I'm a, a big venture capitalist who's also a prepper all of a sudden, hey, I think I need to figure things out. Yeah, this was actually, uh, I, was, you know, I was telling you before the, the, you know, your show started today that this was the best day and the, and, and the worst day of my life all wrapped into one. And, and today I look at it as the best day, but back then I looked at it as the worst day. But so COVID was, you know, going around and um, the CEO of the company that I worked for sent me an email and he said, hey, Tag, uh, how do you feel about mandating the vaccine for everybody? So that's 900 people. Right. And so I uh, replied instantly to him and I said to him that I was opposed to this, that I felt that it violated HIPAA laws and that we have no ownership over our employees' bodies and I'm not supportive. Right. And um, so he uh, I, and I kind of hoped right there that it would go away. But a week later, um, he approached me and let me know that they were going to go ahead and mandate it for um, everybody. And he thought that it would be best served if I did it. And you know what's so interesting about that, Tim, is that I look back at it that I look back on that moment and it was never about the vaccine. It was about obedience. Right. It was about would I do what I was told because I had already challenged him publicly. And right. So it was, it was a game and it was what it was about. And um, he said that I had 30 days to get everybody to do it. And I said, OK, well, I'll call a meeting. No problem. And I went home and I told my wife, I said, babe, life's about to change. Because I ain't doing it. And wow. so. Uh, I called a meeting and, and, um, you know, we went into all of that and, you know, he was so funny that day. He was, uh, you know, patting me on the back, telling me I was doing the right thing and, you know, all this stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, this guy's got a huge surprise coming and he don't even know. And, um, when it come time for me to talk, I got up and said, love you guys. And I support you the way, and we ain't mandating shit. And pretty soon I was escorted out of the building. And the next day I decided, oh, that, uh, you know, I'm sorry, I just keep it rambling. So, no, yeah. no, no, that's incredible. I, that man, that's principles before preference right there, baby. That's tough. <laughs> yeah, it was weird going from a, you know, $350,000 a year salary to nothing in one day and losing a career. I spent 25 years working my ass off on, you know, and I, and I abandoned my kids and I abandoned my wife because I worked, you know, I was married to my career for all of those years. Now it built us a great life, but in the end, it was really all for nothing. Tim. I mean, in the end, you know, what did it get me? But anyway, to answer your question, once that happened, I just kind of said, you know what, if we're going to go through this change, we're going to go through big change. So here we go. This is what, this is what we're going to do. I took all my money out of the market. I sold my house. I mean, literally took all my money out of the banks, did it all um, and built, spent the next year and a half building a, you know, super off-grid home. I live in a 5,000 square foot off-grid super home. It has everything from solar to geothermal to three water systems to, you know, all kind of, we built it all ourselves, you know, and, um, Today, I have no mortgage, no car payment, no electric bill, no water bill, no sewer bill. I have my electives, internet, cell phone, and tax. Well, I guess taxes as an elective, but I mean, I've got my life oh, There's now. no election. Yeah. Yeah, there's no election there, but uh, I kind of have a life now. I can, you know, work at McDonald's and pay, and pay the bills just fine. 
man, I don't even know. Yeah, I, that's incredible. I I said that for us. I mean, being self-employed, we were able to make our own personal choice for what we felt was right for us. And I could not imagine being where you were. I, that's all I can say, man. That took balls the size of, you know, bowling ball. So I'm proud of you, man. That's incredible. That's for, yeah. But so, I get way more, I get way more credit, Tim, than I deserve. Because you know what the fact of the matter is, I don't know if I'd ever had the courage to do it had this not happened. And and um, I just got to a point in my own brain where I said I cannot be the leader that I said I was. Yes. If I do this, I'm a fucking liar. Yeah, I believe you. I, I get it, man. And and that was the end. In case you wonder, you can swear all you want here. Just so <laughs> okay, sorry. Yeah, we're good. We're fucking good. So no, that's cool, man. Like that, I I dig it. Yeah, like oh. So you built the house. I heard geothermal. I've always been a geek about ge geothermal. It, it kind of, I grew up on the East coast in Nova Scotia. And uh, so it, 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 it started out there. There was quite a few houses that were starting to build with it. So did you guys do like deep well version or shallow back and forth version? Shallow back and forth. And, and the reason why I did that is when I was <laughs> everything anyway. So like I was trenching drain lines out, like one of my drain lines in my house runs 700 feet. Oh, geez. So you were all, or I mean, started to be there. there. Right. I'm already there. Just lay pipe. It's not, not complicated. So how, <laughs> what's uh what's a frost line in Kansas or is, 30, is 30 inches. Okay. That's just like it was where I grew up in Nova Scotia yep. uh, here on the prairies, uh, 10 feet. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's not a lie. I looked at putting an underground water storage mm -hmm. and it had to be the top of the tank had to be below 10 feet below the ground. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. So how did you pick Kansas? We talked a little bit before and you said, you know, you, anyway, you tell me about your process. Cause I think it's pretty yeah. neat. Yeah. So this is, this is actually back before um, the whole COVID thing. But so when I decided where I wanted to live, we sat down and did what was called a need, what I called a need and threats analysis. So what I looked at was all of my needs, you know, I wanted good fertile ground. I wanted a conservative population, right? Because that to me, that would be more yeah. of a, a family type environment. Um, and then I laid in, after my needs, I wanted water, you know, I wanted resources. But after that, I laid, I also laid in all of the, my threats, the things that I considered to be real threats. And what was interesting about it is I spent a long time doing it. I kept whittling it down and whittling it down. And I ended up in about a 150 mile circle. Okay. And then we started looking in that circle and it took me nine years to find a piece of land. I looked for nine years after I knew the circle huh. and um, found the piece of land that was right for me. I'm at the top of the runoff. I get no runoff from anybody else's land. I get to, my ponds are filled with 42 acres of my own area that runs off into it. It was just, hadn't been farmed in 50 years. So I wasn't worried about pesticides and herbicides and all of that stuff. And um, so just ended up right. Now it wasn't ground zero where I wanted to be. I'm about 50 miles from where I wanted to be. I'm talking about the absolute pin, right? Of ground yep. zero. Um, but um, I found the place and then we paid cash for it. And uh, two years later, the COVID thing happened. So do you, do you, um, do you mind talking a little bit about your threats, the threats analysis that you considered? Yeah, yeah, not at all. So like you and I were talking earlier about, you know, Tennessee and Kentucky and, I'll and Missouri and, you know, that whole stretch that I was looking at um, there in the Midwest. So basically it came down to this for me. I wanted to be east of the Rocky Mountains. Okay, so I, I took a line, drew a line down the Rocky Mountains. Everything that was the, you know, west of that was eliminated. Okay. We wanted to be west of the, the Mississippi River. Okay. And the, the reasons for these two things are because of the natural lines of drift of population. I wanted to put natural barriers between me and the populace. I get okay? it. Yeah, I do. So, for, so coming up from the south, I wanted to make sure I was at least halfway through Oklahoma because the distance to the Mexican border. 
Yep. Okay. I can do a tone in there, right? And then the north, I wanted to stay out of North Dakota and some of South Dakota just because of growing season. Okay. I was going to say the, the, the weather, yep. I'm assuming. Yep. So you just kept coming down. And then in the end, I added the Missouri River, which put, I wanted to be to the west of the Missouri River, because now I have the Missouri River and the Mississippi River to one side of me, the Rocky Mountains to another side of me. I'm far up north away from the Mexican border, and I'm south enough to have a good growing season. Huh. Okay. So it's going to be a funny question. Are you much of a TV watcher or were you ever before? I was at one point. I don't hardly watch any TV anymore, but. Okay. Have you ever, have you ever seen the TV show Jericho? Well, of course. Okay. <laughs> because as you're telling me all of this, mm -hmm. I'm thinking Kansas threat assessment, Jericho, because that's my wife and I's favorite show almost of all yep. time. So for those who don't know, <laughs> there's a map in there that uh, there's a reason why. Yes. The undercover agent ended up in Jericho or in uh, Kansas, right? So, yes. how? Uh, yeah, um, I mean, obviously the rest of it, but as far as the the small town life and whatever, what, how how much does that line up with where you are? Yeah, so the closest town to me is about six miles from me, and it's a town of two thousand people. Um, that's the closest thing to me, and then I can be in a, a town of two hundred thousand in about thirty five minutes. So I can get to a Home Depot or anything like that in about thirty five minutes. Um, yeah. but my little town has got a grocery store and it's got a gas station and, you know, a Sonic, <laughs> you know, so the, the basics that any man would need. Um, but I like it, you know, uh, we live a quiet life, you know, you can't see my house from the road. We're just okay. us down here. You know, it's just quiet. I, I just, just the way I want it to be big fences, tall trees. And for a reason, well, what did, what do they say that, uh, good fences make good neighbors, right? So that's right. So, um, how long have you been physically living at can in Kansas now then? So in Kansas, I moved to Kansas in 2002. Oh, wow. Oh, what, what, did did uh, something that happened in 2001 facilitate the speed of that or not really? Yeah, no. So um, remember, we did the threat and needs analysis, right? And I knew yep. I wanted to be around this area somewhere. And then I got a job offer that was either going to take me to the north end of Nebraska or take me to the center of Kansas. And and I could pick either one of them. And so we chose Kansas because of it was closer to my pin. It wasn't actually even in the circle at that time, but it was closest to it. Okay. Life's always a bit of a compromise, but man, you got pretty yeah. damn close in your first try. I did. I'm pre pretty close. Yep. And I, I love where we live. We, we've got, we've got a community here of, oh, there's 900 inactive, probably 120 or 30 semi-active and about 50 active every day in our community. Like physically living no, 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 no. They all own their own farms just around me. We are saturated with homesteaders. They're everywhere where I live. Wow. So do you have, um, is there like kind of a mutual assistance group built up around that? Or Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How has that come about? Was that just kind of a natural thing or did you have to get intentional about it? No, we had to get intentional about it, but it was, uh, you know, it's been a long process, but what started out as six of us that, you know, started out, uh, we just did the 20th Midwest Preparedness Camp out. So the okay. first one had six people in it. The last one had 150. Oh, and yeah. um, and so it's just kind of grown. You know, we added um, this year, we added five new families to Kansas that one came from Indiana, one from New Mexico, one from Texas, um, one from Colorado. Who am I missing? The fifth one. I don't remember. But anyway, so we added a bunch of families came down and, and we we do it a little bit different here. So we don't all live on the same land. They all buy their own land, but they're all in the same county or general area. And then we get together and we do festivuses and, you know, we do uh, homestead rotations. So we'll, 
Oh. I've done some videos on this where all of us will go to one homestead for a day, like a Saturday. Okay. And we'll like one day, what just this year, they all came to my house. I had 44 people at my house. We put up 13 and a half cords of wood in seven hours. That's some work. I can tell you. I, yeah, you know, you know, <laughs> we used to do 12. So yeah. Okay. Oh my God. Yeah. That's awesome. So how did, um, so do the people that come have, are they, are they connecting with you through the online community and then coming or how does that work? All of the above. I mean that like, um, for example, two of them, um, that I was talking about in my, in, in the five, I met at the self-reliance festival in Tennessee. Isn't that awesome. Okay. Yes. Um, I have another one that came through freesteading, you know, our social media platform. I have other ones that have come through the Midwest preparedness project or my YouTube channel, life done free. So all of them. And you know, one, my big bucket list is to, I'm going to build a town and I don't okay. mean a physical town, like with a post office and a liquor store. What I'm talking about is, is, you know, to put 500 like-minded people in a small geographical area because then I'm going to take the county over. And it's you're going to have, you're going to have, I'm guessing, the diversity of skills that you would need to, to continue well, doing shit if shit ever goes sideways. Oh, yeah. Tim, we focus constantly on the counter economy. You know, I trade pig every year for um, auto mechanics work. And we trade, you know, we trade for all kinds of things. And man, the wealth of knowledge that's around. I mean, I, we've got the best bread maker in the world and cheese and butter and whatever you want. Generally speaking, we, we, we can create right here inside our own community. I, lo I love it. I, this year, I'm uh, I'm trading snow removal for a side of beef and <laughs> right and a whole bunch and um, a, a, a very significant credit at the local hardware store. So um it yeah when you can do that it's uh much more off the books right and uh and you're supporting everybody local you're building a community and oh that's awesome yeah it's, it's been an incredible journey you know spags unfiltered's here um from oh, the YouTube that. channel Spags unfiltered and you know he uh is super involved in the community and you know we do lots of stuff together um but it's 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 an amazing thing you know we just had a uh, freeman festivus which is our holiday between thanksgiving and new year Yep, we rent okay. a big hall, we all come, we all eat, all of those kind of things. But I, I got to tell you, I sat back and leaned up against the wall in awe, in absolute awe. I, yeah, I, I, I can say from a slight bit, when, when you create something, I, you know, sometimes a person's so busy doing shit that you forget to look back at whatever mm. you've created. And then yeah. once in a blue moon, it'll hit you, hey? Mm. And you just get kind of... Yeah, the eyes light up or maybe a little. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. For for us, it's been businesses so far. So I love yeah. I love hearing that. Um, somebody just said, uh, so we got a couple, I'm gonna a couple questions from the audience right quick, and then I'll get back to asking you stuff too. Sure. But uh, how did B react when you quit your job? And B would be your significant other, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So my wife B, um, so when I came home and told her that, she said, I'll follow you anywhere. And that was the end of it. That's all you need. What else? Yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> I don't know what I may be completely out of the loop on something here. Is this an inside joke or is this a legit question about who John Galt is? No, John Galt is from what he's referring to is from um, Aaron Rand's book. Um, oh, my goodness. My mind just goes blank. Um, oh, um, OK. Uh huh. Yeah. I can't think of it right now. Um, Anyway, the, 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 what the story is about really is, is that these successful people leave the system and they take their productivity out of the system and apply it somewhere else as to no longer play the game. Atlas right. Shrugged, 
That's the name. Tr- yeah, there we are. Um, I've only heard Jack talk about that like a thousand times, and I've yet to read it. So. Tim, in my opinion, it's the single biggest thing we all need to be doing right now. I mean, there's not a more important thing than going Galt, which is what he was referring to. And, and you know, John, who is John Galt as part of that story? Because I took my productivity out. I still own businesses. I still do lots of stuff, but I've completely removed it out of the system. And I just don't play the game anymore. And I'd like to say, I, personally, what I think about that is you, you get a, 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 much, a much larger portion of the proceeds when you do that as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, you know, enough said, well, right? And your dollar goes farther. Cause the fact of the matter is, and I'm not going to get on a rant here, but it's no, fact okay, what, you're allowed. If you, you go to an employer and they pay you a dollar and then you take that dollar and you're going to lose 62% in taxes. By the time you talk about income tax, property tax, tax, the gas station tax, the grocery store, you're going to lose 62 cents on the dollar. <clears throat> What's left. I'm out of that 62 cents. So that 38% that's left over you think you take home, but the truth is you're going to go take that money and you're going to spend it at the auto repair shop or whatever it is. That auto repair shop is then going to pay that same percentage in taxes. <clears throat> By the time you get to three transactions, the federal government has gotten hundred percent of the money back. Money is an illusion. Mm-hmm. It is not real. And the sooner you figure that out, the sooner you can play backside money versus frontside money. And you can play all of these games because I have no emotional attachment to money. Zero. And once you get around the entire idea of it, it's, it's pretty incredible what you can make it do for you too. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I dig it. Yeah. So let's, um, I'd like to hear a little bit about the construction of your property because I think there's some, you got a few special features there that not every house has, eh? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I've never seen a house like mine ever, but uh, um, maybe it's cause I just don't know any better. I don't know. I mean, you know, I just, when the whole thing happened at my work, I kind of thought that, you know what, I'm never again going to be in a situation where somebody can hold stroke over me like that. Mm-hmm. Whether that's the electric company, the water company, whatever, I'm just not going to be there. I'm going to I'm going to do it for myself. And so we elected to not bring any utilities onto my property. My property, in fact, has never had utilities. There's never wow. been an electrical line. There's never been a water line, any of that that runs down. And so <clears throat> we <clears throat> elected to do. Um, so let's talk about power. So my power comes primarily from a solar system. Okay. Um, I have 28 uh, 375 watt panels, three 7,000 watt inverters, five uh, you know charge controllers, and a whole bunch of you know uh, lithium batteries that uh, operate it. Um, have a backup generator in case I need it, although we've never used it because my system's fairly large. Um, so I have nothing coming in there. Water. Um, I have three water systems, so we have a hundred foot deep well that then pumps into a cistern and then pumps to the house. I also have 7,700 gallons of rainwater storage. And then we have a two and a half acre pond and all three of them come into my house in a manifold. And my wife can actually wash clothes on one side of the house in rainwater and take a shower and well water on the other side at the exact same time. And is your, um, is your rain storage and your cistern separate or are they the same container? Nope, totally separate. The, nice. they, they are completely independent systems until they hit the final manifold before they go you know, inside the house. Yeah, absolutely. So you bring them in three different ways. They come into manifold and you just, you do you, get, you just go down and turn a quarter turn ball valve and that's it. Bob's your uncle. Wow. I love it. I love yeah. redundancy. I'm a geek yeah. about redundancy. So that, that was good. Like you know, oh, in go the ahead, summertime, in the springtime, we use a lot of the rainwater. In the wintertime, we use more of the well. You know, the ponds used primarily in gardens and stuff like we don't really bring we don't really use it in the house much, although we can if we choose to, you know, got to go through a big filtering process and all that. But hundreds they all not bad for a, a, a drilled well either. Like I, I know some that have gone a lot further down than that. Yeah. Do you, yeah, we you have water, 
62 feet. Six, wow. So do you use a jet pump or do you have a deep well like cylinder pump down there? Yeah, so I have a deep well cylinder pump and um, then it pumps, that pump pumps into a cistern which sits right next to it, which is 1,750 gallons. And then, yeah. there's, a, then there's a shallow well, right, that runs that um, cistern that pumps into the house. That's cool. Okay. So you've always got a, um, how do you want to put it? Like a buffer of 1,750 gallons, just in case, man, that's, that's, right. that's ingenious. I love that. Yeah. We, we had uh, here in uh, Alberta, cistern, uh, cisterns were very popular before uh, town water came in. So almost every house has one. And we turned ours into what I call the prepper pantry. It's an eight foot by eight foot, totally enclosed cement uh, storage for our food. So mm -hmm. Uh, Chris wants to know what you're doing. Oops, there it is with the gray water. Yeah, right now, nothing. Um, okay. I have the house plumbed to deal with it. Um, again, by a ball, a ball valve, but I just have not completed that process. You know, we, um, as I mentioned to you earlier, Tim, I got in a spot where I had to move. And, you know, the first 11 days we lived out here, we showered outside because I didn't have the plumbing finished. So, <laughs> you know, we're still trying to, you know, today I was working on my reloading room all day long. I'm still, don't have the master bedroom finished. There's a lot I'm still trying to finish up, but, um, I will at some point deal with the, the gray water. Like I said, it's it's rough plumbed, but it's just not finished yet. But we will. What do you want to do with it? What do you what would you like? Yeah, so I'd like to, because of the way my wife does things, I'd really like to be able to feed that through the greenhouse. Okay. Um, first and foremost, because we don't use my, my wife makes all of our soap, all of our, you know, bread, all of our cheese, all of our lip grease, all of our shampoo, all of our she because of the way she does it, there really is no chemical in it, you know. I'd like to be able to feed it through some of that stuff. Um but I just need time to do it. Just um, like underground and let it come up or yeah. 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 Okay. Yep. Pump it into another cistern, you know, run a shallow well to it. You know, the whole just wash, rinse, repeat. Yeah. yeah. And the cool thing about a system like that is once you learn one, and like you said, you, you were kind of on with construction anyway, but once you kind of learn the ins and the outs of a system, all yeah. other systems, I don't want to say they're simpler, but at least your, your brain can break them down by the piece and figure it out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, I've done enough of it now that, you know, it's funny when I walked into it, I had no idea what I was doing, but you know, I, I was a framer in, in high school, Okay, but I never dealt with electricity or plumbing or any of that. I just had to go learn it or solar. I knew nothing about solar until I decided I was going to install solar. Sounds like you got quite a bit of redundancy built into your solar system too. Hey. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. I got uh, three different pods and they all are, I can isolate any one of them I want to. I have three inverters. I can isolate all of them, even though they're, they're linked all together. Yeah. Right now all three, all three are doing their thing simultaneously, but, but I can, I can lose any one, you know, any set of it and the rest of it will run just fine. Wow. What about, uh, here, let's uh, go with this one first. Um, what is a UGS? <laughs> okay. So Spags, thank you for that, sir. So UGS stands for your ungovernable score. <laughs> okay. okay. And so we created a, this massive spreadsheet that allowed me to really look at every place I spent money, who I spent it with, how I was governed, what stroke they had over me. And so this is just a way we, we constantly are battling living free, right? Living free yeah. and, and getting away from the system. But it's this, this big, beautiful thing we call the UGS. And a lot of us use it now. And it's hard, man. It's, it's brutal. You take a look at it and you go into it thinking, oh, I'm pretty free. And then you realize pretty <laughs> quick, you're not very free. But it's a good gig. I get it. I do. You know what? My wife and I spent uh, the first 10 years of our marriage homesteading. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we had a lot of control over that. But we were absolutely broke beyond broke. Like, I mean, you know, to the point where we pretty much run ourselves into the ground. So we moved all the way across the country. 
got a good job and then built businesses, which give us a ton of freedom. And now we're kind of trying to incorporate a lot of the, uh, you know, because we live in a town. So mm -hmm. at the moment, of course, what we can and can't do, well, you know how it is, but uh, we've done a lot. You know, I've got some wicking beds and solar systems and I've done crack key and, you know, so you, you have to, yeah, I get it. it that's cool. Yeah. I'm going to have to go deeper with you on that sometime. I'd like to like to hear a little more about it. So, yeah, yeah well, I've got over on my channel, I've done, you know, my whole solar system tour, water system tour, you know, all of that stuff. Um, you know, if anybody wants to go see it, they're welcome to, you know. I uh, so anybody so anybody knows I pinned his uh, link to the YouTube channel at the top. Mm -hmm. So make sure you follow him. Um, how about the construction of the house? Because I'm going to guess you're probably insulated to the tits. Are you? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, so it's all it's all. So I built my house in pods, and I did this on purpose. Okay. Because I was always saying to myself, okay, if something happened tomorrow, what will I wish I had done? I mean, I'm always in this mind frame, right? Uh, so, yeah, I get you. <laughs> so pod, pod one, I actually have four pods. They're all make up my house. My house kind of looks like a castle. Okay. And and I have a 5,000 square foot home, but I built it in four different pods and then put it all, and then it's all together. But anyway, so pod one was a kitchen, a bathroom and two bedrooms. Okay. And enough space to store my skid loader and my tools while we were working. <laughs> okay. Because I needed somewhere to put it so people didn't steal my shit. Right? I understand. Yes. So, but I built it with really tall sidewalls so I could expand out. So then the next pod that we built was the living room. Then we built um, this office that I'm in right here. I'm on the third story up here. Little okay. crow that sticks out of the top of my building, but um, in another bedroom and another bathroom and a laundry room. And then pod four is my master bedroom, which is where I'm working at right now. But anyway, so it's all two by six constructed. As far as the walls go, it's got R30 insulation on the inside of it. It's got half inch of the... Um, uh, star, uh, you know, the styrofoam with the silver back insulation yeah, the board, on both board, sides. Accordion board, yep. And every seam is taped. Yes, sir. That's incredible. I just realized that you said your house is 5,000 square feet and it's completely yeah. off grid. That's, yes, uh, yeah. So you don't, you don't hurt for luxury then for the most part. You have yeah. what you need, hey? Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you that one of the most remarkable moments of this whole journey is I have an engineer buddy who's like the super engineer. Okay. He was the head engineer um for a company that has eight thousand employees that tells okay. you what kind of engineer he was okay so he's a yeah. he's a big time engineer anyway he walked into my house one day and he goes oh air conditioning and i hadn't installed it yet oh my god that's because incredible I use, because i use you know um solar passive solar and heating and you know like my concrete pad under my living room is two feet thick and so i use the thermal mass um to keep it cool during the day and so it's always if it's 100 degrees outside it'll be 80 in my house with no was that done on purpose? The two foot oh, concrete? Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's cool. How about your, uh, your roof? Would you put in, do you put blown in up there? Or would you put in? Yeah. So my roof is, um, depending on which section you're at, cause some are vaulted and some are flat, right? Just yep. Depending on, on kind of where I'm at. So I R38 insulate the biggest insulation I could buy, um, in between the, the trusses and then where I could blow in, I blew in another foot. Then I also put the same styrofoam, you know, with the silver stuff on it and taped every single thing. Yes, sir. Boy, you <laughs> so you could heat it with a candle even if you were on grid almost. Yeah, you know, it was crazy last night. It got down to 12 degrees last night. I turned the stove off um, from heating at about seven o'clock at night. And at three o'clock in the morning, I woke up and it was 82 degrees in my bedroom. <laughs> Do you have, is geothermal running all the time as well? No, no. no actually, okay. rare, actually rarely run it. Um, In the heat of the summer, it's real nice because I can just flip a switch and it just blows cool air out. Which is nice, but oh, you're I, using um uh forced air then, are you? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm used to yeah, yeah. That's cool. I'm used to 
uh, like piping it through the floor and that sort of thing. So, oh no, mine oh. mine comes up through vents in my house. Oh my god, that's incredible! So, and does it need? Does that require? I suppose it does require a bit of electricity for that. Then, yeah. So each one has a um, just a two hundred cfm reversible fan. So depending upon how I flip the switch, we'll either blow it or suck it. Wow. Okay. So just it's easier. Yeah. So <laughs> what what can't you run with your electricity then? Well, now that's an interesting question. At what time? <laughs> I know it's a tricky when? question. <laughs> when? I mean, here's the right. thing: if the sun, if the sun is out and I've got full sun, I have 300 amp service. I can run anything I want. I can weld. Oh, I can. Yeah, I've got plenty of power. But I mean, we go through times. You know, we have to. We live our life by the by the the weather. So we either have a red day. Today was a yellow day, for example. We were we were overcast all day long. Um, but on a on a red day, we're not doing much of anything other than lights, TV, the basics, right? Yep. Um, on a yellow day, you're just kind of cautious. But on a green day where the sun's out, but I can, I take my 220 amp, you know, 20, 20 volt welder out there and I'll weld all day long. No problem. Wow. Okay. That's cool. So just How about, yeah, yeah. But you, I mean, you put thought in obviously forethought, right? So um, what do we got here? Uh, we got, uh, how is the wallopini? Is that it? <laughs> yeah. Good, great for to crack me up. So there's been a big joke on my channel. My wife wants a wallapini. I did all the dirt work for it already. Okay. So all the dirt, all the dirt's been excavated. So wallapini is an in-ground greenhouse. Yep. Yeah. yeah okay. And, yep. And so my wife wants to grow citrus. Oh my God. She's crazy. So that's cool. My wife's super green thumb. And so yep. we're we're gonna we're gonna build her a wallapini, but I've done nothing but the dirt work. Okay. Uh what do we got? Um one step must know you because wanted to know if they could send me a copy of the UGS calculator. Get a tag. And I sent him a copy of the, yeah, you actually one step closer is really the brains behind it. And you can absolutely send him a copy of it. And, um, but to get one step closer, a little bit of uh kudos, he's actually the brain behind making like, like my brain says, I, this is what I want it to look like at the end, but he's the guy that actually made it look like that. That's cool. He's in here a lot. I love, I love that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, he's a good guy. So, okay. We did uh insulation. We did your, your, your below ground, your water. Uh, I got to hear about the, uh, well, okay, let me ask you this way. How do you cook your food? Yeah, so primarily we cook, well, it depends on, again, the time of the year. So right now we pretty much um, cook all of our food on a Kitchen Queen Grand Comfort 750 wood cook stove. Oh, I love so it. We, yeah. So we cook everything on wood in the wintertime. Now in the summertime, we're not firing that thing up because it's just too hot. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> so in the summertime, we have two options. Um, one, we can grill, right? We got a big grill out back we can use. But my wife, one of the... Uh, things she wanted was a separate processing kitchen. So my wife has a complete stainless steel, badass gas stove, you know, big three deep sink, you know, processing kitchen where we can process chickens and vegetables and honey. We are, my wife keeps bees. Nice. And so we have a separate processing kitchen right next to the house that she can cook anything she wants anytime, either way. Um, but in the winter, we're cooking on wood. Did you grow Well, I was going to say grow up, but were you exposed to uh, wood, wood heat and wood cooking when you were younger or is that? Nope. Uh, no. Okay. Nope. And what, wasn't a common thing where you grew up or was it? No. When we, when we started going through all of this, we really just took a hard look at just how do we provide for ourselves? And I wanted to be as, as less dependent on propane as I could be. Okay. And okay. like I have a propane tank, I have a thousand gallon propane tank, but all of last year I used 150 gallons all year. <laughs> That's that's peanuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I've got six years worth of propane at storage at any one given time. I was doing that math as quick as I could. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. 
So then, yeah, I've done years past again, growing up on the East coast, it was pretty common. So I, I did a fair bit. I love cooking on a wood stove. Yeah. So there's a, there's a learning curve to it. Hey. Oh yeah. I ate burnt food for the first six months. What's that? I, I, I ate burnt food for the first six months. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. That's cool. But, but I'm going to tell you, my wife now, like she cooked Thanksgiving dinner on a wood stove and that turkey came out, I mean, golden brown and perfect. Oh. Just perfect. Does she do a stew on the wood stove? She does all of it. I'm just like tonight we did uh, grilled paninis. Um, yesterday she did lasagna. Um, so just normal, whatever you normally cook, you know, but she likes to cook. So it's easy for me. How much does that thing weigh? Do you know the stove? Oh my gosh. It's gotta be 700 pounds. There, I mean, it's heavy. It's like, it buying, it's like buying a goddamn slate pool table, isn't it? It's it's the well, conversation piece. And once you yeah. put it in there, you build the damn house around it. Right. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people don't know, but you know, to buy one of those, you could buy three regular stoves. Oh, well, I, I, yeah, we, they sold sweethearts out East. We used to sell them. This was 15 years ago. They were over five grand Canadian at the time. And, mm. uh, you know, but that's like $12 American, right? So, yeah. <laughs> um, so you said you burnt, well, you put up, what was it? 13 and a half cord. Was that what it was? Or yeah, the homestead rotation. Yeah. We did 13 and a half cord, seven hours. What do you, what do you burn uh, a year or what have, so you've, yeah, you've been there long enough to know how much you're going to burn in the wintertime. Yeah, so about six cords last year. And does that all go through? Do you have more than just the wood cook stove you heat from, or is that it? Oh, yeah, I have four fireplaces. I have a wood cook stove. I have, um, and that's just in my house. My shop's got one, too. Okay. Um, in there, but my bedroom's got a fireplace. The bedroom I stay in now and the new master bedroom both have fireplaces in them. The living room's got a fireplace, and then we have the wood cook stove in the kitchen. Now, when you say fireplace, do you mean a fireplace with like a, an airtight insert or do you mean like just a standard open hearth kind of straight okay. up the chimney? Yeah, yeah, no. So, okay. My, the, so my kitchen is the kitchen queen in my living room. Yep. I bought a stove out of um, uh, Italy. So, because the reason why I wanted it is because it has a particular reburner in it. And dude, you should see this thing work. Like it leaves like the finest ash. Nothing goes uncooked. Um, it's super efficient. Um, in Yep. And then upstairs in the bedroom we stay in while I'm working on the master bedroom has a regular fireplace insert with a, um, yep. you know, just regular pipe. And then in the master bedroom, there's a big um, wood, uh, wood stove in there. So not a fireplace, but an actual wood burning, you know, not like oven, but just a regular wood stove. So how, um, what's, so you said you got down to 12 degrees last night. What's kind of the typical winter there for you? Oh, typical. What a word. <laughs> I know that. Yeah. Try, try <laughs> us this year. Right. So. You know, last year we had um, about a week where we were down to minus 20. That was really the heat of the winter. You know, we maybe yeah. got two feet of snow all year long. This year, we've gotten maybe four inches of snow so far this year. But we had that one spell where we were down to minus 40. Oh, you get that. Um, wind, wind chill one day. That's okay. cold for here. For here, I, that's yeah. cold. You know, I don't, um, that's cold for the prairies where I live. I mean, we, yeah. we were, yeah, yeah. Okay, man. All right. So you, you got to prepare for everything then. Oh, yeah. So you but go minus. Mind- Minus 40 in the winter. How, uh, where's she top out in the summertime? Oh, you get a, you'll get a couple weeks and right at the end of July and August, it'll be 102 or three. Okay. You know? Man, well, once in a while we might hit 110, but it's not. Yeah. That's about the top and the bottom for where I live too. That's crazy. Funny how that is, but yeah. you're, you're, would you be a bit of prairie country there too, obviously then wouldn't it? Pretty much all prairie. Yeah. What's the soil like where you, where you started digging and working? 
Yeah, depending uh, on my land, um, I was blessed and unblessed because I got <laughs> I got six inches of, of really beautiful topsoil and thirty seven thousand miles of hard clay. Right. So, right. so so digging the ponds. I have three ponds. Digging the ponds and putting them in that was great for that. Not I so much for the, not so much for the garden though. You know. So I've bought I don't know I've probably bought now eight hundred tons of manure probably. Really? Oh yeah. What's that run down your way to buy a ton of manure? Oh, I can get a 27 ton load for about 80 bucks. Oh, that ain't bad. Nice. Mm -hmm. That barely co probably covers the guy's, you know, fuel and time to get it there, but he's happy to get rid of it, right? Yeah. Well, I, I get the manure for free. It's the oh, trucking. Yep. The oh, trucking yeah. is what I pay for. I get it. So talk a bit about your, uh, your work, not your work share, but whatever you call it with uh, like where you travel between the, home the home home rotation. That's it. Thank you. Yeah, so we we got where I live, we have a huge community and it's getting bigger every day. In fact, it's a fabulous thing. But what we do is anybody can call a homestead rotation, but you know, we always warn everybody, you only get one or two a year, you know. So make sure you pick a day, right? And you make sure you know you're you're squared away and ready because we've done them where we go to a place and they're not ready for us at all, and you spend all day long mm. and get ready and done. And then you got the other side, which like me, I'm a natural born manager. So, you know, when we showed up. When everybody showed up, all the trees were laid out. Everything was spread out. All the chainsaws were there. Um, so what we did on my homestead rotation day is we chipped mulch. We used, we cut lumber on the sawmill and we put up firewood on that day. And so everyone worked the different stations um, to do it. But um, we had 40 people there and I had one uh, a tent that was put up and one person, um, a kind of a mechanic guy that, that's in our in our community. His whole job was to keep everything running. Nice. If your chain's not stop, just drop it off and grab another one. <laughs> and we just, just as fast as we could go. And uh, so it was beautiful, but we've done, I mean, I've moved barns, I've uh, insulated shops, I've, um, firewood's a, a pretty common one, but I mean, we'll just travel to the other homesteads and help them out. Is it usually a Saturday or do you guys, anytime? It's usually a Saturday or a Sunday, typically. Okay. <laughs> so you've got this community, you, you, you're you drawing, I mean, the cool thing is, and this happened to us too, is when you meet, when when you're at an area and you meet people who are like-minded, freedom-minded folk, it's almost like you're a magnet to attract other people. Mm -hmm. Now, you've got a fairly large community there. Have you had, mm -hmm. I mean, have you had anyone that didn't work out or? Oh, sure. Okay. How do you handle sure. that? I always love to hear that. Without going into specifics, I just like to know, because that's that can be tough sometimes. It's super hard. And, you know, it's actually the, the human part of it, Tim's the hardest part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not it the building. It's not building stuff. It's not. It's none of that. It's it's that that you know Johnny didn't get enough cereal. Didn't get the same amount of cereal as Susie or just so whatever the you know whatever the issue happens to be. But um, yeah, people come and people go, and I always tell everybody in the community that either we're growing or we're dying. And if you're not actively growing, you eventually will die away. So the original um, group that was together, you know, that uh, 16 years ago or whatever it was, there's only two of us left from the original group. Yes, sir. But you know what? That that's not a. I mean, I don't want to say it's not a bad thing, but I've seen that's kind of how communities grow. Whether it's an online community or a an in person community, you're you're going to grow, but people are going to drop off as you go because it's not for everyone, right? No, and hard. it's hard work. Yeah, it is. Everything. <laughs> but that that's cool. Um. So what? 
What's your biggest project you're working on now that you, other than the Wallapini, because I don't want to get you in trouble again. Um, so what, what do you got going on right now that you're kind of either in the midst of or getting ready to, to, to build? Yeah. So um, I'm in the middle of finishing what well, we, we call it pod four, but it's really my master bedroom. And bud, you should see this bedroom. It is so cool. There's a tree in the, in it. I mean, I cut a tree down that when we put a pond in, I saved a particular tree to put in my house. So we cut we, it down, let it sit for a year. Yep. And it's in my house. It's actually the, the, the pole, on the corner of the stairs going up, right? That it's that main pole. It's a big, beautiful tree. But um, so I'm trying to get that all finished. I'm, I'm about three sheets of drywall from having all the drywall hung. So I'm getting closer and closer on it. So I've got that going on. Um, I try to get work done in my shop. You know, it's one of those crazy things. I don't ever get time to, you know, go work on, but I've got a, uh, you know, a 40 by 60 shop. That's got, you know, two thirds of its mechanic shop, one third of it. I have my own wood shop, table saws, you know, all that mm -hmm. stuff. Cause I like to build furniture and those kind of things, but I wish I could get to it um, a little bit more. So really it's just trying to get my bedroom done, trying to get my reloading room done or my two big ones that I'm working on. My wife would tell you, she wishes I was working on the wallapini though. But I understand because my wife has certain things for me too. So I get it. Um, but yeah. So what, um, I, sh I should have slid back and asked you this one. What do you guys use for chainsaws there? Yeah. So I have eight steel chainsaws. Okay. Um, that, that, and I do that because every time I'm at an auction and I can steal one, I just do. Yep. And they just pile up. But anyway, so that's like primarily what I use. But um, I've been debating. I haven't done it yet, but I've, I want to go get a battery powered one. I've been wa watching the Milwaukee's. Um, you know, I just haven't spent the 600 bucks to go buy one yet, but I really would like to try one. So I, that that was going to be my next. Of course, I already knew the answer, but I was going to ask you just yeah. to get a laugh. But uh, DeWald yeah. or Milwaukee, so. Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah that's okay. I, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm a bit, everybody laughs. They all think I'm a DeWald evangelist, but what I really am is picking a platform and sticking with it, at least mm -hmm. as far as the batteries go. And I don't mind if you want to buy other tools, but, uh, you know, um, standardizing on a battery platform makes yeah. uh, makes everything so much easier on the Yeah, I'm actually in the middle of changing out. Um, I was a rigid guy forever. I have every rigid battery powered tool there is, but I'm so sick and tired of their warranty BS. They tell you, you get a lifetime warranty. Yeah. But the fiasco you have to go through to warranty anything. I'm just sick of it. So I said, one day I said, you know what? I'm done with you guys. They pissed me off. And I told them I was standing at the counter. I said, I'll never buy another one again. Went down, walked down Home Depot, bought my first Milwaukee drill set, took it home. And I've just been adding now. Now I have the table saw and the compound miter saw. And, you know, I have most of them. Cordless, those ones or not? All cordless. Yeah, that's incredible. Hey, I haven't, uh, I've got a, a compound miter that I love that's cordless. I haven't um, touched into the table saw yet, but what do you think of that? Love it. But I'll tell you the, the tool that I love the most that would really surprise me, and you'll appreciate this being a tool guy. I, I have a Milwaukee worm drive saw that's battery powered. Yes. It, but I'm going to tell you, it is my favorite tool I own. That I can cut almost all day long with one eight amp hour battery, and I can rip a two by six that's twelve feet long, no problem, right through it. I mean, it, it is a beautiful tool. That's incredible. I, I I sold tools going way back, and I remember when the first lithium ion drill came out, and I thought, you know, because before that, cordless was just like, well, okay, it's there, but it really, you know, right. it didn't have any teeth, right? Right. <laughs> it's unreal what unreal. they do now. Yes. You know, coach your expectations for your chainsaw, but you're still, I don't know. I'm just going to say it. I, you grab them and go. They're awesome. Like they, yeah. you know, they're not, they're not a steel gas powered chainsaw. They're not, you know, and you're not going to cut 13 cord of firewood in a, in a winter for it. Right. But what you are going to do is it's the absolute greatest thing to pick up and start 
because you don't ever have to, you know, there's no winterization. There's, there's no yeah. clogged carburetor. There's, uh, you know, there's no gas storage. Oh, yep. It's beautiful. And they just work. They're so yeah. good for so much. Yeah. I can't wait. I want to get one. Oh yeah. As soon as you do, I, I know John Willis uses them too. He's always bragging about them. And I, yeah. I haven't met somebody in the preparedness end of things that didn't like a cordless chainsaw once they had one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so, looking forward to it. You know, just the simple process of, you know, riding around in the back of the UTV to clear the path from last year, or just little shit like that. Absolutely. Instead of wearing that big ass steel chainsaw, you know. Can uh, can we talk a bit about your content creation journey? Of course. Yeah. Okay. So you've been, well, okay. First off, what is the name of your channel? <laughs> Life done free. Life done free. Damn simple. And it's exactly it, right? Mm -hmm. So how come you start? What, what, what possessed you or what, what motivated you to get started with that? Yeah, they pissed me off. Who? And I, you know, the, the corporate world. And I said, you know, I've been hiding as a coward. I've been hiding behind the scenes for all of these years, just putting up with it. I'm going to go get on the offensive and I'm going to fight and I'm going to tell my story and I'm going to talk about freedom and starving the beast and how we take it back and how the system's set to, you know, to get you and how it's so hard to succeed, but that you can do it if you do the right things. And I just said, I was going to go fight back. You know, I've never... I don't have, I don't sell anything. I don't, I just go and talk about the feds and about, you know, the stuff that makes me mad. And, and that's why I did it. And that's why I'm still doing it. So have you, because you, you said you're about 5,000 subscribers and you've been at it about a year, hey? Yep. March you will be a year. Built yourself a pretty good little community there. Yeah. So where did, um, well, okay, let's. Because we chat, guys, we always do this thing beforehand where you chat, you know, in, in the green room, the real fancy green room, <laughs> green walls right there, right? right so, right, right, yeah. yeah. Um, so, what's, what's your process like? Because we kind of chatted a little bit about how it, it always takes way longer to record something. Yeah. yeah. So, what's your process like? Do you, do you have a certain day of the week that you upload or are you just wherever and whenever? Yeah, I try, I try to be consistent. So, we do a live every Friday night. And then what I try to do is get a video or two in the week depending on how my week goes and, you know, what I happen to be working on it, you know, at any given moment. But the other good thing I've got is I've got a super supportive spouse who does a lot of the filming for me. Like I'll come home and she'll have an hour's worth of video waiting for me to edit. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. So then I go up and edit, you know, and, and, you know, just kind of, kind of put it out there. So, um, you know, I try to talk for me, it's more about, it's not really about homesteading. You know, my channel's homestead channel, right? Because that's what we do, but it's really not about that. It's about how does homesteading relate to my personal freedom? And how does it relate to me removing the stroke that the system has over us? How does it relate to living freer every day? And, you know, my pond helps me. I'll just use that as an example. My pond helps me live freer because it provides me protein. Hmm. My pond helps me live freer because it provides recreation and it also provides water, the single most important element in the world, right? And so it's more about that, about how do, how do all of these little things make me freer? And that's what I do. So is it mainly a creative... Uh both a creative outlet and in a way to share information or do you view, is it a bit of a business as well or, or not so much? You know, I actually have no expectations to make any money. I mean, I make money doing it, but it, I mean, in a year's time <clears throat> of me being on YouTube, I've made eight or $900 in a year. Okay. I mean, so it's not whatever. Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not really any money, but it's for me, it's more about saying, Hey, we don't have to put up with this shit. Mm-hmm. It's time for some civil, peaceful, civil disobedience. It's, it's time. Such a, it's such a sin that you have to coach, coach it in the word peaceful because people yeah, are know, right? just, it, as soon as you yeah. say those two words, it's assumed that you're, you know what? So, yeah. 
so then where did freesteading come from? Because, yeah, you start, tell us what uh, freesteading is and where it came from, the genesis for it was. Yeah, so freesteading is a social media platform. Um, it was formed by, um, well, there's about four of us who really work on it all the time, but it was really formed by two of us. Okay. And, um, you know, the idea was we were sitting around one day and we were talking about, you know, just living free and those kind of things. And, and you know, so what's, once I get this homestead done and I build through my house, what's the next step for me? I mean, am I done? Right. Right. No, what, I what, what, right, what comes next for me? And so we started talking about, could we create a place where people could have real freedom of speech? Cause at the end of the day, if they're not, as long as they're not um, talking violence and they're not being mean to somebody being hateful, I don't care what they say. They can post whatever articles they want. I, I won't, I absolutely will not do anything about it, you know? And, um, and so we just started talking about how to do that. And we were talking about how all prepping leads to homesteading. But the next step of homesteading is where you begin to focus on not just, okay, can I produce my own egg? But how do I lessen my dependency on fuel? Hmm. How do I really get my freedom back? Which is free steading. That's where it came from. And um, so we just we went and did some research and we found a, a platform that um, someone had built part of. And we bought it and um, then we just hired a bunch of people and, and you know, freesteading. This will, you know, you ask me what, what I'm in this for. Freesteading is free for everybody to use. It doesn't charge a single thing. Um, I have eaten the cost of freesteading myself the entire time. Yes, sir. How's it, how's it going? Have you, are you getting um, growth or is it? I, I thought it would grow faster, to be honest with you. We're at about 13,000 members. We started in August. Okay. That's great. I know. I know what you mean, though. I get it. Yeah. Right? yeah. You know, I was hoping at some point what would happen is it would get big enough. I could bring in some advertisers that would just cover the cost of it. So I wasn't eating it all the time. Sure. Uh, that that would be my long term goal. But we, we've the next step for us there will be a marketplace. We're hoping to build a place like a Amazon, you know, kind of model it after Amazon and um, place where people can buy and sell and trade and do their thing. And and um, but the logistics of that are proving to be um, task taxing, to, to say the least. That's interesting. I'd like to know why, because just, just thinking about it, you know, some of the more freedom-minded platforms I've been on, both MeWe and Float, both spent quite a bit of time saying how they were going to develop a marketplace. Mm -hmm. But to the best of my knowledge, it, they, they both failed to launch on that. Yeah. What, what, what are the logistics behind a marketplace that are so difficult? Well, so um, a guy, this is a, a, a true story. So okay. a guy buys a battery from a seller on Amazon. Now, Amazon never housed the battery, never shipped the battery, had never touched the battery. It was just an affiliate on Amazon. Yep. So the guy sends the battery to this guy. This battery blows up and blinds the guy for life. Right. The guy right. successfully sued not just the battery guy, but also Amazon. Yes, sir. That's the problem. So if, so if we allow somebody to buy raw milk, and I can handle the you, you're responsible for your own state laws bullshit, right? I can, do, I can go through all that. But if somebody was to get, buy raw milk and get sick, I'm liable. And because I'm liable, am I willing to risk all of this that's free, man? I own it. It's all, you know, am I willing to do that? And until I can figure out a legal way to minimize my exposure personally, um, I haven't pulled the trigger yet. Hmm. I can see that then. Because that, <laughs> that's not as simple as just... Uh having everybody sign a, a, a waiver, right? As much as we'd love yeah. to, they're just, already done. right. Wow. Okay. I can see that. I never, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I thought about it a bit, but <laughs> I wonder, yeah, I'm just thinking out loud where you go with something like that, but yeah, I get it. Yeah. Uh, I know. Some, 
I know a pretty big time attorney that specializes in social media and I've been working with him trying to figure out how to do this because I really want to do it. I think, I think anytime we were talking about this earlier, how a dollar travels, right? If I can take the middleman out of the equation, that dollar will then travel to twice as many places before it gets eaten up. Absolutely. Right. And so if I can create that environment where people can buy and sell their goods and where we can be committed as a, as a people in taking our freedom back to doing business locally, even if it costs more, it doesn't matter because it's actually cheaper. Did it really cost more? I mean, you know, as they take away our freedoms. And so if I can create this, I will absolutely do it, but I can't do it at the cost of my livelihood. I just can't do it. You know, it's funny though, the whole, did it cost more thing? We, we mm-hmm. did a, an article on the show a while back and it was talking about how people were willing to pay more at a small mom and pop restaurant or grocery store mm-hmm. simply because they know that it's going to support somebody locally or somebody they can physically see. Whereas Walmart or McDonald's, they're not willing to deal with a price increase nearly as much. And that's, it's funny when it's up close and personal like that, you are willing to pay a little more because you know, you know what, there's a really good chance that money's going to come back around anyway. Right. We got an, yeah. uh, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I'm just going to say, I think we have, I think it is time we as a people take a stand. And, and you know what? In taking that stand, the only vote you have that matters today is your dollar. We have to go down that road. We just have to go down the road. And you, you know what? I know that the Mexican tomato costs 50 cents less than the American one. I got it. Don't matter. I, I can go in my little town. I have a, a small Walmart and I have a small grocery store. I can buy a gallon of milk at that small grocery store for $5. I can buy that same gallon of milk at Walmart for $4. I'm buying the $5 gallon of milk and I'm buying it every single day because I'm in the fight. And we need to get in the fight and all of us need to get in the fight. Anyway, sorry. That's okay. You sure you're not an anarchist because you sure sound like one to me. An anarcho-capitalist if you ask me, but that maybe I'm just reading too much of my own personal beliefs in there. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know, man. All right. So uh, the Filipino nomad, he wants to know, what's B's choice of pots and pans and kitchen utensils? For, I'm guessing he means for cooking with wood, but yeah. Yeah, so she she uses mostly cast iron. She does have some enamel-coated cast iron, and she does have some stainless steel, but primarily she's using cast iron. Um, on her utensils, like, uh, you know, the spatulas and that, those are all stainless steel. And work, I mean... Yeah, I mean, cast iron and wood wood heat go together, you know, like, like hand and glove, right? So, so when you started thinking back from when you came when you when you first were at Kansas and to this day any mistakes you made you know uh, for, for permaculture I okay that I know that's a gimme but you know for permaculture people out there they talk about you know uh is it, is it the level level one mistake you know the, the really bad ones anyway anything that you wish you maybe can't change now but you would have would have done differently if you could go back yeah well, I, I don't I don't really look at anything as non-recoverable right right I mean, I think everything's fixable, but yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of things. I mean, but like when I put in my solar system, you know, I probably wasted $4,000. How come? Well, I bought an inverter that um, later on I learned was outdated. And then when I tried to continue to add to my system, it wasn't going to talk, you know, the firmware wasn't going to work. So I had to get rid of that and buy another inverter. I probably wasted some money in wire, you know, um, as I was learning it and, and, you know, making my mistakes on how I routed things, um, you know, so that's certainly true. I mean, I've wasted my fair share of concrete because I didn't calculate it right. And I had too much left over that ended up being poured on the dirt. I mean, you know, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of those, Tim, you know that though, you've been in, I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of those. Um, 
you know, from a permaculture perspective, you know, I wish I'd have gotten on the fruit trees a much earlier, you know, okay. I could have had them in a year earlier than I had them in. I just didn't do it. Um, you know, water is another big one. You know, I just finished my pond this last year, my big pond just this last year. I should have done that the first day because now my fish are this big when if I would have done it the first day, they'd be this big. But there's a but lot I'm going to guess. And because I didn't I didn't uh, bring that up for people to think that we're all living in regret here, because it's really funny. You talked about fruit trees because I'm always reminded of what is it the Chinese proverb that, you know, the second best time to, to plant a tree is today. Right. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because right. you still got lots of shit done. It's just, yeah, it's neat. I always think I like to look back too because I'm not a, I, I don't, I have no regrets, zero regrets about life. You know, what, you know, what, could I have done things differently? Probably, but it, it brings us to where we are. Right. Yep. Yep. Amen. And it's, I think it's, you know, I think people think, or a lot of people think that, you know, happiness is a destination and freedom is a destination, but it's really not. It's the truth is it's a journey. And you got to celebrate that journey along the way because, I mean, it's an amazing journey. I mean, I, I look back at just these last couple of years like, oh, my, man, I have, but five years ago, I was wearing a suit and tie every single day, you know, and, and you know, living that <laughs> living that life. And here I am, a gray-haired, bearded guy who've been, you know, hanging drywall all day long. You know, it's just weird. So talk about that a little bit about the, uh, I love that because that's a struggle for me, okay? I'm a numbers guy. And you, you obviously were too, coming from business, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and for me, it's always the next, I'm always the next goal or the next milestone, you know, because yeah. I'm, that, that's what, that's what gets me up, you know, learning new things and getting my next goal are the two things that get me up in the morning and get me going. So I'm really struggling, or at least I'm trying to learn how to, I don't want to say stop and smell the flowers, but, but really enjoy the journey as you go. Is there, you get any tips for that? Or how have you learned how to do that? Um, yeah, I think there's a whole bunch, but I think the first advice I would give anybody is quit taking yourself so seriously. <laughs> I mean, I think that really is a, is a big one. Um, Hey, Amber Martin is in here. Um, Amber is a uh, part of our community down there. I don't know what she said to you. You're not alone. That journey is priceless. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Great. Absolutely. Great people there. Tia is here by the way, which by the way, Tia, we're talking about this journey right here. Tia is the promoter of the next step um, convention conference that's coming up in February, which is the whole purpose of the convention is creating the alternative society. I'm is um, Nicole going to be at that Nicole sauce. Yeah. Nicole's going to be there. Yep. Yeah. She told me about that. That's awesome. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, so uh, Tia, why don't you put a, uh, if you're still on here, put a link in there. Now um, it so may or may there. not, it may or may not allow her to, but yeah. that's okay. She can send it to me if you're on telegram or you can email it. But anyway, yeah. just, let me know if it won't work for you, Tia. Um, we'll figure it away. I'll make sure I share it because I want to get it out to the community. So, and where yeah. is that? And that would be in Georgia. Okay. Um, I don't remember the name of the town. I'm speaking there on day one, um, talking about um, escaping the technocratic society that we live in today, the technocratic yeah. state. So, which is right up my alley, right? I mean, um, but back to your question. So, the first yeah. thing is quit taking yourself so seriously. I think the other thing is to, you know, stop looking at it from the 30,000 foot view because I think what happens to a lot of us is, is you go, oh my God, I got all this to do. I got, especially starting a homestead from scratch, right? I got all this to do, I got all this to do, which instead of just worry about what you got on your plate right now and just get it done and smile, turn up the radio and enjoy your life. And again, happiness is not a destination. There's no such thing, guys. I'm telling you, there's no such thing. Happiness is a decision. And I'm going to live my life happy. I mean, today, I listened to you today. I listened to Nicole today. I listened to all kinds of people today on YouTube as I was just working, doing my thing, you know? It's easy. 
I love that. I don't know. I okay. I got. I just. I'm going to go on a tangent here for a minute, guys. But if for anybody out there who thinks, "Geez, should I start my own business? Should I start my own homestead?" I'm going to tell you right now. The answer is yes, because you get to do shit like Tag does, or like I do, where we get to spend our day within reason, of course, figuring out, you know, doing what we want to do. You know, I mm-hmm. still have to go and take care of some of my customers to make money. But guess what? Almost every day I get to listen to what I want to listen to. I get to yep. choose where I want to go. I get to choose what my schedule is going to be. You know, uh, anyway, yeah, there, there, that, that to me, there is, uh, I don't want to say no greater freedom, but God damn, entrepreneurship just gets me excited. Anything like that. So that's yeah. awesome. I would encourage everybody to start a business because <sighs> you cannot make any real money working for somebody else. I'm telling you, you can't do it. I've, I've been in the corporate world my whole life. Go start a business. It don't matter how small or how big. Go start it and believe it and dream it and bleed it every single day and you will be a success, period. I got to tell you something. It is not hard to make $100 an hour running your own business. No. But you find me anywhere short of being a CEO where you can go work for $100 an hour. I can clean windows. I mean, that is, you know, if, if you went and got a job working for somebody else, I don't know, around here, you might make 15 an hour cleaning windows, right? You know, I can go and make $100 an hour cleaning windows. Now, if I told somebody I was going to charge them $100 an hour, they'd say I'm fucking crazy and get out of here. Right. But if right. I tell them I'm going to charge them $5 a window and I can do right. 20 windows in an hour. Right. Right. So, Easy. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. I. What are some other things people can do for freedom, Tag? That's what I love. Because I can tell that's your passion straight through and through. Yeah. I, you know, I am so... But I, when, that, when that day came for me and when they could in the snap of a finger over a virus that had a 99.5% survival rate, in a snap of a finger could take everything from me, I decided right then, never again will another human being have that kind of stroke over me. Hmm. Ever. It will never happen again. And so I think the biggest advice that I would give people is, first of all, understand where you are. Right. If you can't identify where the stroke is, you're never going to fix it. Right. So start right there. Where are you? And then, you know what? Pick one you can affect and just go affect it. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, say, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Well, if it's energy, if you want to tackle energy, then just go tackle energy. It doesn't mean you have to go from I'm on the grid today to I'm off the grid tomorrow. Maybe what we can do is just put a small system in and do some of it and then grow it and and. Just do something. Quit sitting on the couch. Quit watching YouTube, even though here we are YouTube, right? Yeah. Just go, go do something. Go take that step and to take responsibility for yourself. Every single thing that happens to you is your fault, good or bad. I don't care what it is. Oh, come on. Are you serious? 100%. 100%. I <laughs> that, it just, you know that goes against everything that's taught right now. <laughs> you have to take accountability. And that does not let the other person off the hook that they didn't do you wrong. That, that's that. up to them. But you put yourself in that position. Your decisions led you to there. The second thing is take responsibility for your beliefs. And I'll say that again. Take responsibility for your beliefs. Can you expand on that a bit? Yeah. So, I mean, if, and I, but I could go on, on, on a rampage on how the Prussian school system way, way back in the days when Prussia got in a fight with France and France kicked their ass and Prussia decides, we need soldiers. Let's build an education system, which then the Massachusetts governor at the time traveled over there, came back and installed that system, which is the system we use today in the United States of America. We have to take responsibility for what we believe. If we just allow everybody to tell us what, what we believe, 
if we just allow CNN or Fox News or any of the Republicans, because I hate them both equally, um, if we allow them to tell us what happens, and it's and it's so unfortunate because the way they do it is they first of all they've created a situation where mom and dad both have to work. They put our kids in school for 40% of the time. They sleep 40% of the time, which means we have 20% of the time to combat all the bullshit. And then they fill that 20% of the time with soccer practice and football practice and band practice (laughs) and homework. Yep. We have to take an active role in our belief system. We have to investigate for ourselves. We can't just take their word for it. Question authority, right? Peaceful, civil disobedience. Well, I got to tell you, I guess there's a reason that everybody told me I needed to talk to you. I, I, I bet you there was a half dozen people between Self-Reliance Festival and and shortly after. They're like, Tim, you need to meet Tag. You need to talk to Tag. Uh, you need to interview Tag. And I'm like, who in the hell are you talking about? I'm like, Tag, what is this Tag? Is that short for something or is that? Yeah. Um, so, so when I was a young man, um, in my teens and my early 20s, I played professional paintball. Really? And I did. And um I played for the team that today is team avalanche, which is still out there to this day. But anyway, um, so my very first company I ever opened, I was uh, 16 years old and I opened my first company called tag factor paintball so that I could play a little bit cheaper because it was really expensive and I had no parents and I was working at a diamond shamrock. I needed the gig. And so, um, I started it. They nicknamed me tag. I've been that ever since. (laughs) That's cool. (laughs) Yeah. Well, brother, we've been an hour and 15 minutes. This has been great. I, if you, Okay, I need to share this right quick. One Step Closer said, if you can't get motivated by listening to Tag or John Willis, you are dead. Yeah, or so far gone that, anyway, yes, it is what it is. So how do people find you, Tag? Where do they go? What can they do? How can they support you? All of the above. Yeah, so um, I don't have any affiliate links. I, I just, it just hasn't been my my priority, maybe someday. So just, you know, Life Done Free on YouTube, come over, subscribe and listen. That helps because that helps spread the message. Um, you know, the other thing, you can find me on Freesteading. Um, tag and be at Life Done Free is also on Freesteading. But is that Freesteading.com? Freesteading.com, yep. Okay. And we have an app. You can go to either of the app stores and, you know, type in Freesteading and the app will come up and, and you can download it for free. But I think at the end of the day, if you really want to support me, go take a stand. Hmm. Go say no more. Because if enough of us do that, you know, we can take back what what at one point in time, and well, probably still is, though, the greatest country in the history of the world, in my opinion. And I love my country. I just hate where it's at today. Absolutely. It's a reason we just bought land in Tennessee. So right. nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah, right. Well, thank you, brother. This has been fun. Well, I've if you're up for it, I'd love to have you back again. I don't say that to everybody. You you ask the guys. I, I bet you maybe maybe only but anyway maybe maybe a quarter of everybody comes through the doors. I'm like I got to have them back because they're just, it just jazz me right up. That's awesome, man. Yeah, my man, bud. I will help anyway, anytime, any place that I can. It's it's a good gig, you know. And and um, again, don't to everybody out there listening. Remember, happiness is a choice. Just remember that. Period. I should have just let him close right there, guys. Well, <laughs> thanks, Tag. You want to hang for just a second? I'll close up and we can. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that. That was just way, way too much fun. I I had a ball. Uh, so first off, I got to say thanks to Tag because everybody out there who told me, Tim, you need to have Tag on the show. You did not lie. So thank you. I want to, that is the power absolutely of community because somebody that I know who also knows Tag says, Tim, you need to talk to Tag. And guess what? 
I guess I'm it now. So uh, tag, you're it, right? Stupid joke. But I got to say thanks to tag for coming on. Thank you for each and every one of you guys who said you need to talk to tag. You need to get him on because like you said, you can't listen to tag without being motivated. So that's it for me tonight, guys. Uh, I believe 99% sure that we're going to have a bonus live stream tomorrow night with Mrs. Toolman coming on with me. So look out for that. And as always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week.